guardians of the littles, and protectors of their hearts and minds. Welcome to the future. This is Early Education 3.0, sponsored by Obabu. Using social-emotional wellness to pioneer the way, this team of academic experts discuss modern principles en route to new methods within the universe of early education and boldly go where no preschool has gone before. So today we are talking to my good friend and colleague, Ms. Melissa Brent, who is currently our early education coordinator at Obabu. Uh, we are so excited to have her here while we discuss early education and innovation. How are you doing today, Ms. Melissa? I'm lovely, Ms. Alicia. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I am so, so excited to delve into this conversation. So but before we get there, why don't you tell me a bit about yourself and um, where you're from and what you currently are up to? Alrighty, so I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. I have a 16-month-old small human, and I have a furry small child, a fuzzy small child named Scout. She's a dog, so she's not really a child. <laughs> Is though. Uh, I have my husband as well, and we just live in our mountains and, uh, you know, eat good food and try not to leave so often the house. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. What's your fuzzy human's name? Scout. Jean Louise, really. Uh, Please, uh, well, big to kill a mockingbird people here. My Oliver is also Oliver Atticus. So, like, very, very big to kill a mockingbird fans in this house. because <laughs> that is fantastic. That's where those came from. Uh, so, that's our girl. Yeah, she's four. She's a mix of a thousand different breeds for all of our dog people out there. Yes, those are the best kind of dogs. Best uh, kind. She's a little, little meatball. Mm -hmm. So, what drew you to early education? How did you get started in this field? Oh, so... I have always wanted to be a teacher, always, as far back as I can remember. So what happened was I chose at first to pursue elementary school, because mm -hmm. that was my favorite time in school as a kid. And then I realized that wasn't satisfying enough, so then I wanted all education. So I went to get um, tri-certified for my master's mm -hmm. in New York State, um, and I ended up taking a bunch of courses in all of the topics and settled mm -hmm. on early childhood specifically for my master's focus. So I took some special ed classes. I took some gifted, um, you know, all of those types of super fun things. And mm -hmm. early childhood spoke to me because that is the foundation of human beings. That is yeah. who we are at our rawest, our rawest clay form. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like for you when that just kind of clicked? When you were oh. like, yes, early education is the way. For sure. I I really do think when it's, I started to be able to kind of apply it to my own life, like, mm -hmm. oh, if I use this kind of language or if I am specific in this way, the people around me understand me better. You mm -hmm. know, it sort of like puts how we speak to our peers through a different lens because it's the same communication tactics. We just use a different approach with children we do adults but realistically it works both ways and that was like game changer and now I'm that's what I love the most is figuring out 
what's going on in the baby brains that can help me to be a better adult brain human. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned New York. So did you start off teaching there? Um, I did. Yes. My first preschool was in New York. Um, and I loved, loved, loved it. That was my first classroom ever. Like you don't ever forget your first classroom. I had a little crayon welcome wreath on the door that I made myself. <laughs> um, and it was my pride and joy. It was like, a, you know, never stopped morning till night working on crafting and all the stuff for that classroom is really special room for me. So loved it very much. So we've stepped a little bit from teaching early education to developing a curriculum for our early education initiative with Obabu. Um, what motivated you to step in that direction, to move from teaching to, to, to developing? So something that I have found in my teaching experience extremely frustrating um, is the confinement of a curriculum that wasn't written with teachers in mind. Um, you know, was written with a test in mind or was written, you know, from the upper, the upper club who (laughs) may or may not have ever been in a classroom before. So, um, you constantly run into these roadblocks while you're trying to follow this curriculum and either the lesson itself isn't effective, um, or it's not engaging or it's just not meeting the criteria for whatever other reason. And with that happening fairly regularly throughout, you know, my college experience, I just decided to push forward in the direction of, I know how teachers think and I know how children think. And with that combo, I want to be able to write something that gives them some room to wiggle. Now, a lot of people have been talking about um, early early education and the problems that have come about in direct connection to COVID. Um, have you had any friends of yours that are, are early education teachers or providers who saw and experienced some of those conflicts? Yes, I have a lot of teacher pals who, you know, focus on the youngins mm-hmm. um, and just the engagement really is is tricky. It's tricky to keep a little one engaged when you're not physically there for hugs or high fives or, you know, there, there is some real serious, uh, like emphasis that needs to be put on that, um, study, just making sure that we know what makes them tick and makes them happy and keeps them really excited to participate. Um, fortunately we've got lots of little trickies up our sleeves there. So yeah, (laughs) that's going to be that good. So Um, do you feel that an online format for early education is actually feasible. Yes, especially with the Obabu way being put into practice. Um, could we get a four-year-old to sit and learn their ABCs all the way through A to Z, like face, you know, on a screen in the time period it would take in a classroom? Potentially not. However, what we're doing and the way that makes this a more clever program in general is bringing in that social emotional growth and using Mm -hmm. that at the forefront because everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be heard. Everyone wants Mm -hmm. to be understood. So using that to then rope in academics as opposed to the opposite, as it is typically formatted, I think is going to be what does it for us. That should make it a, a much smoother, you know, overall more comfy and happy 
and it makes it just more available, more accessible. Mm-hmm. So, so we're not talking about like a six hour kind of a program situation. Oh gosh, no. The babies are sitting there staring at the screen. What I, kind of, what kind of program for that long. have, okay. yeah, I'd, I'd be scared. I'd yeah. be sad. Somebody you was like, go. Zoom. I was like, please don't. No, good. Sheesh. No, no one wants to sit for six hours. No one. I can't think of anyone <laughs> for fun. Unless we're just, you know, watching a movie. You know, the very idea of makes you want to burst into tears. So being that as adults, we don't like it. How are we adjusting that for, for the itty bitties, for our little munchkins? Well, yeah. So we're keeping it short and we're keeping it moving mm-hmm. in every way. So our 20 minute sessions is yeah. kind of the focus. Um, developmentally, 20 minutes is perfectly appropriate for a lesson for any three to five year old. Um, mm-hmm. And in addition to that, it isn't 20 minutes of sitting and watching anyone because A, that's hard for me as well. B, it's just not developmentally appropriate. They need mm-hmm. to move and interact to participate. So we have a zillion different kind of toolkit activities that we're setting up in a way to spread that 20 minutes out and make it a lot more just like constantly up and around and going and singing and dancing and jumping and just <laughs> everything they're doing, whole body participation is the way to get through to a little baby. So that's how we're going to teach them all the ways how to talk about things that are tricky to talk about and how mm-hmm. to, you know, express things that are hard to express. And we're going to do hey. it through fun, fun, fun. Right. That sounds fantastic. Whole body participation. Oh, yes. Sounds like a head lot of fun. Now. Mm-hmm. Head to toe. Head to toe, man. Most definitely. Can you give us maybe an, an example of one of the activities you might be thinking about? Sure. Um, so something that I have found in preschool, especially, um, is that, you know, good old fashioned tantrum vibe. And when in a tantrum, if you think about it from just look at it, like outside bigger scope, mm-hmm. they're just trying to tell you something, right? You know, that's all behavior is ever is communication. So with that in mind, Um, one of an ideal activity for us would be to kind of format, how do we talk about what's, what mad feels like? What does mad look like? What does mad sound like? Mm -hmm. Um, What makes us feel mad? And then what do we do when we are mad? Because what their instinct is on occasion is to hit, you know, a sibling or a parent or um, throw themselves on their little tummies and pound their little fifties and their fifties. Um, and it's because that feels good, right? Like you need to release all of that tension somehow. So Rage. yes, yes. Um, as a mama of a little one who has just learned the ways of the rage, that is, uh, that's how it be. So <laughs> we want to give them the tools. Mm-hmm. What you're doing right now makes sense. What you're feeling right now makes sense. Here's what to do in order to get that out. So with that being kind of like the focus of a 20 minute session, right. we would build in all different activities in that way. Maybe we'd practice roaring like a lion mm-hmm. or a dinosaur. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that. Talk about, you know, hold up a little card and see a little angry face and everyone makes an angry face at the screen just to practice. Um, you know, these are the only way to kind of get through those big tricky feelings is by accept, like, you know, discussing them when they're calm. Right. So in order to do that, you need to find a calm moment. And it's kind of hard as a parent to do that. So mm-hmm. we're here to help bridge that gap a little bit. Sounds good. Calm, we're learning. Let's roar. Let's 
All right, cool. So that's speaking more so to the the emotional portion of it, right? Yes, so yes. what about academics, right? So so social emotional development is the cornerstone of our program. How are we wrapping in academics uh, within that core? So the best part about small people is that even really they're learning the minute they wake up. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like adults kind of lose that magic a tiny bit, but children never do. So they wake up in the morning and everything is fresh and exciting and new. Um, And having that fun and having that engagement and having them feel loved and safe um, in our environment kind of lends its way to learning automatically, blows all of the inhibitions out so that they can kind of get to the root of what we're trying to teach. So using that again as our kind of focal gives us um, just the environment to offer lessons Mm -hmm. and to bring those academic topics inward. So keeping themes running, you know, learning about summer, talking about dirt. Kids love dirt. (laughs) Kids love dirt. And, you know, just being a place for them to be able to ask and answer questions and learn through discovery. Mm -hmm. um, That's definitely where, you know, social emotional kind of carries academic in. They go hand in hand, really. Um, how do we care for a plant, you know, bring that compassion and what do, what, what does it mean? Or, um, you know, we think about insects, right. And we're going to kind of look at them a little more closely as less irritating and more something to study. Um, and just really bring in that kind of love of learning because that sort uh-huh. of lends, lends its way to making room for academics rather right. than pushed upon them. Uh-huh. So we're so we're helping them to, to build up on their natural curiosities oh, yes. towards life and then turning that into to a benefit for future academics. Yep. And kind of giving them the room to, to choose what uh-huh. to learn. That's huge mm-hmm. at that age. You know, two choices. Would you like to learn about insects or flowers today? And which direction are we going to go? And that, you know, just that power, giving them power in their own learning is is the key to kind of let getting information where it needs to be and having it put. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll come right back. Hello there, dearies. This is Mrs. Snipper, here to remind you that Obobu will begin enrollment August the 2nd for the fall semester. Really, you should proceed promptly to their website at www.obabu.io. Enter your email and you will have all the information you need. Again, www.obabu.io. I know you would have thought it was .com, but that is so 90s of you. And Obabu is all about the future. I must be going now. Cheerio! Yeah, because they're actually interested in it. Mm-hmm. Josette, that's fantastic. Now, remember, you mentioned that it's going to be 20 minute uh, sessions. So, is it one 20 minute session per day, or, or, or how exactly is that coming about? So, it, it's four, is sort of how we have it set up right now. Um, and we're kind of going to mix and mingle depending on, uh, you know, how the parents want to format it. Um, Educationally, we also have options for our specialty classes, which are just straight fun learning. STEM, STEAM. I think it is STEAM. Is it STEAM all the time now? Do you know? Did they, did they keep the A in there permanently for art? I think they did. 
Really? I'm yeah, only I'm hearing those. So then we got a new one. Now on my oh, we're going to find, we're going to make absolutely sure that they get that. that in there. But <laughs> either way, <laughs> you can craft a house for, the, you know, the three Billy Goats craft that they don't have to live next to the bridge, but uh, it needs to be a beautiful house. Or, yeah. all right. Anyway, sorry. So, yeah. So our specialty classes will have steam uh, focused. We're pulling all sorts of just like, giving them the opportunity to explore different music and art and get their hands dirty. And, um, you know, that's kind of our intention there is to spread mm-hmm. that out, spread the wealth. So there'll be our academics, our specialties. There will always be a story time available to right. launch it. Love that. Uh-huh. So that's kind of how we're planning to make sure that everyone stays engaged all day, but not all day not all day, right? Not eight hours all day. Yeah, they do have, there are some parents who have that concern about, you know, screen time and and not wanting their children to become addicted to technology. But how is it that our screen time is better than like standard screen time where they're just like yeah. staring at the screen and buttons? So the scary thing about screen time and what makes parents just kind of concerned overall is this instant gratification feeling that you get from the screen. Right. Um, you press a button, something happens. You want an answer, Google has it. You ask Siri and automatically there's a list of, of resources. With mm-hmm. that instantaneous all the time, children don't learn to wait. Right. They don't learn patience. They don't learn how to have a slow uh, analog, if you will, conversation. And for them, their little brains are just constantly like, okay, 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 okay. You know, nothing's happening fast enough. Um, so it, at Obabu, and the reason that this is not only effective but valuable is because we're going to bring in digital citizenship because mm-hmm. it is 2021. It will eventually be 2030. It will eventually be 2050. And if you look back at what was going on even just 10 years ago, it is insane. The tech world explodes regularly. We have geniuses out there doing genius stuff. And we want our generation of kids coming up to be able to participate in that, right. you know, to be able to code with the best of them, if you will. So we want them to know the value of technology without it being either so high value that they can't function without it. Right. Or um, being just kind of like an overwhelming, all encompassing. Even me, I'm sitting in the car and I have a lot of trouble not having my phone in my hand to just have a <laughs> you know, I don't want that for them. Right. Right. So with Definitely. that in mind, we're more like FaceTime. Is sort of how I've been kind of framing it um, when I talk to people about it is even the non-screen folk FaceTime grandparents with their kiddos Mm -hmm. because it's a conversation. Right. There's nothing touchy pokey, constant, constant, constant without it. Um, What Obabu intends to do is to take that FaceTime energy and have an interactive screen, have interactive characters, but keep it more conversational, keep it more, um, again, socially engaged. So we're a safe place to engage socially, just like FaceTime would be, as opposed to, you know, sitting there playing Candy Crush until your brain falls out of your ears, because that's a real thing. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I understand that. And, and, you know, it's so interesting because our generation, we just kind of fell into technology. Yes. Right. And so there wasn't really a question of, is this good for us or not? It right. was like, here it is. Here it's it is. Shiny. <laughs> yes, right. Gosh. And it was shiny and it is fun to play with. 
Yes. We want them to know that too. You know, it's sort of mm-hmm. the same as dessert. If you approach dessert as just a regular part of your day, just a nice normal food, um, you know, you don't make it like the prized sugar at the top of the mountain you have to climb. <laughs> it's like, it's exactly the same thing. You know, we want to desensitize that like crazy manic energy that can come from being addicted to technology because that's a real thing. Right. We're going to kind of use it, show them how to use it. Mm-hmm. And we're putting we're putting humanity back into it. Right? Very much. Yes. Another thing about about screen time is that it's just you and the screen and a right? robot. You don't require another person, and so mm-hmm. you're essentially just an extension of yes. your device. Uh. Now we're 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 really trying to help children to understand that technology is a tool. Yes. And it's something that you utilize, but you don't allow it to be in control of you and in control of your mental process. Exactly. For sure. And having technology as a social component has tons of benefits to it. Teaching them that that is obtainable and is something that you can do. It can be a safe place when you want someone to talk to, or if you're feeling sad and want to go listen to a story, you'll always have a babu there for you. You know, that's that's our goal. That's our, you know, driving force is to have this special emotional education um, that might be replaced with, you know, sitting and watching Coco Melon for hours on your, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. we don't want to replace physical interaction in any way. We're not trying right. to step in the preschool's shoes, if you will, and push them out of the way. We're just hoping to give those kiddos who have access to technology because almost everybody does but doesn't have access to healthy social and emotional conversations doesn't have access to you know a big village if you will so we're going to be a village right yeah we're going to be a village for everybody village come through (laughs) that's the best part about technology it's really unlimited resources you want to join obabu we're here for you Mm -hmm. it's easy peasy we're in your pocket when you need us yes the community factor really matters. Oh. And how is it that we are helping children to understand and embrace community? Um, community, yes. So showing them that they are a necessary member it is really valuable because a lot of the time it's always like, you're too small, you're too little. Like you can't, no, you can't. But this is instead kind of keeping it nice and at the focal point of like, we want you here. Right. And with our small class sizes of four to six, they're going to feel that. They're going to feel that they're part of a team, that they're a necessary part of the team. They're going to feel that their teacher knows them as who they are, and that with that knowledge, they're given roles and given choices and given objectives to complete that they can do. Mm-hmm. Right. And so speaking to it, so we have like that four to six class size. And so the kids have an assigned teacher, now, and they're also in the assigned class structure, right? Mm-hmm. So they have their pods um, and their pod will be about 20 students. And in that pod, they will always be with those 20 students in a variety of mixes and matches. So they'll get to know all 20 um, in their core groups of four to six, depending on their session times and all of that type of thing. So if you have a child, for example, from China and you happen to choose a time slot that meets that international criteria, you have that child from China, the same one the one you're going to meet and see regularly, you get to know them and experience their culture. And that's the cool stuff. Yeah, it's all cool. It's completely cool. Another really great thing that we're excited about, speaking of bringing community to children, is recognizing, especially with what has happened with COVID, is that sometimes 
it's not safe, you know, for children to go out and be out. And that is a regular part of their life, right? Yep. That, you know, that accessibility again is what builds community, worldwide community, not right. Keeping it big, even in our tiny, tiny groups where there's even in our tiny, tiny groups, most definitely. And we're also excited about the potential, speaking of accessibility, of bringing in a program for children who are on the spectrum. Yep. Um, For children who are deaf or hard of hearing or who have other um, specialties, special situations or Mm -hmm. learning disorders. Right. And so we're kind of looking to kind of incorporate all of that in next year. Right. I think that's our goal. So in our little inclusion Um, you know, branch of things, we're just going to kind of take the curriculum and make it, again, accessible to literally anyone and everyone. If you have a child who wants to participate, or you feel that you want your child to get more social uh, socialization um, in a, you know, just a way that doesn't always require packing them into the car and leaving the house, um, which, you know, for those children who have certain accessibility it's kind of an issue sometimes it's hard so we want to just make sure that we're there we're we're there for you if you want your child to meet new people that they wouldn't normally be able to run into on the street that's kind of what we're here to do all right cool that's fantastic and why one more more set of questions and then we're gonna leave off this is supposed to be short With me though, we don't do short conversation. (laughs) Why why is it important? Right? I guess it's ultimately what it is. Because our munchkins, you know, we're focusing on those babies that are between the ages of three and five. You know, we're we're using adult terms like, you know, social emotional development and, and encouraging them to take a part in their community and digital citizenship, et cetera, et cetera. How do we know that these are all concepts that are necessary for children in this age? So in addition to the research that we have, um, because we have quite a stockpile now, um, it's also just where the world is headed. Mm-hmm. And other countries have already been working on, you know, and headed in this direction. Um, so we're just kind of taking the the raw basics of what makes humans human and mm-hmm. sort of turning it into like a school program for kiddos. Mm-hmm. Um, if you think really hard about, you know, the, the hard stuff in this world, the trauma in this world, um, a lot of it comes from, you know, what happens to us when we're little. So to be a shiny, sparkly light for any little kiddo who might need that extra ear or you know, might not otherwise have uh, any kids their age to talk to at all. It's like, that's sort of who we're trying to be open for. Um, Yeah. So that's, I think the biggest, our biggest leading motivator is the pinnacle age of development. That's kind of where, where these skills um, really come, come to be when they really start to kind of take ownership over their own actions and they Mm -hmm. step away from that egocentric, you know, one-year-old thinking. and we're here to, you know, help parents kind of understand that. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Very, very important for sure. And, and just really allowing children to have those positive experiences. Because sometimes, you know, depending upon, that was my crazy puppy dog who has currently lost her mind. Oh. So then speaking towards, and we touched on like those positive experiences, right? Why is that so important 
for a child's development at that time period between the age of three and five. So what um, early childhood, like, you know, in getting my master's and all of that, uh, your brain just kind of reaches a certain pinnacle of development. Um, You essentially like start to really put puzzle pieces together in that chunk Mm -hmm. of age. Um, And because those puzzle pieces are newly formed, it's kind of the brand new opportunity to sort of set the glue, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And we talk about a lot um, of just what happens if you miss that window. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's very, very difficult to undo, you know, difficult communication tactics or to kind of reset those undesirable behaviors like, you know, screaming and hitting and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, things that are, can perpetuate, you know, bad habits. That's the type of stuff that happens between three to five. If, um, you know, if we're not on it, if, if the kids don't get that kind of positive learning, those skills at that point, when it's freshest, that's sort of what we're trying to do. Right. If they're not getting that, that focused care and attention that that A-frame requires, then really it's a complete toss up what kind of future they're going to have. Yes. And if you think about it, um, and like an example is, you know, say there's a parent who is very much, you know, children need to just kind of do as they're told, right? Mm -hmm. Obedience. Um, If we push that at that age, especially the children's kind of little brain synapses sort of choose one of two routes. They either become so obedient that um, they're kind of no longer able to advocate for themselves or they become um, so relentless push against it as hard as they possibly can that, um, you know, they become a little bit more explosive because no matter what happens, they still need an outlet for those feelings. They -hmm. still need an outlet for when they're angry. So if it's like, I don't care if you're mad, do what you're told, you know, they, they don't get the tools, they don't practice. And from three to five practicing how to say, Hey, actually, I was kind of hoping we could go to the park today and Mm -hmm. have someone tell, you no, what do you do? You know, they need to practice that skill because people will tell, you no, you need to be told no, just like you need to be told. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like, like an early rehearsal for life, right? Very much so. Yes, it is. And if you're not, you know, given those tools and shown how to use them it just really impacts what happens when you have a boss it really impacts what happens when you're kind of in the real world and have to navigate those conflicts we just want to give them the skills to do it right and even earlier a lot of people talk about you know pre-k is supposed to be it's like a rehearsal for school school. Mm -hmm. and then school is a rehearsal for work and real life and, and continuing and on and forward into your future, right? Right. And so when you set yourself up on the correct foundation, then that starts you out. It, it gives you an impetus, a large push yep. um, that actually will benefit you your entire oh, life. Can you imagine trying to build a tower with three, like you're trying to start with a square base and you only have three corners? Like your tower's not going to go very far. If you have the, you know, you can do every academic there is on earth, you're reading by age three, like that is huge. It's amazing. You're going to be an incredible, incredible reader. And that's a beautiful thing. But if you're sitting quietly reading all the time, because you don't have the tools to kind of say what you need and get what you say, you know, (laughs) know, they they need that. You need all of it. It's part of being well-rounded. 
Right, exactly. And looking for that, that well-rounded individual, especially knowing that as, as we move forward um, more than ever, as technology really kind of comes forth and takes over, essentially, um, we're going to need more creative people. Okay. You know, they're looking for more creative people, curious people, people who are able to problem solve and uh, think analytically towards problems for the correct solutions. So much so. It's really cool. It's really to sort of give them the understanding of what other people might be thinking, might mm-hmm. have something on that kind of compassion, that empathetic um, drive forward to sort of just understand what humans do and why they do it is makes everyone a little bit more relaxed I think <laughs> all right cool beans okay so this one more question for you then uh what is the goal that you are hoping to achieve with Obama and the Obama team oh so many um my I think the biggest thing for me is knowing that my little could potentially grow up in a world where it's okay to feel things, not to be ashamed of that. Um, there was a lot of, you know, if you think back to the 1950s, wives did what wives did. That was their job. That's how it went. Um, there was no real room to discuss. Children were seen and not heard. It's like these are the types of things that sort of build these generational, um, I don't know, kind of tactics, I guess. And what we know now about the human brain is how important it is to feel and look at what you're feeling with curiosity instead of judgment and to kind of analyze what you're feeling and to use that to kind of move forward. So um, just knowing it's okay to be sad and that you can, you know, be brave and scared at the same time, like just understanding how our bodies work and why we have these feelings. I think, um, you know, that's where I want Ollie to be. I want a world where people are free to kind of discuss that type of thing with one another. I just think it'll kind of lessen tension across the board and make people a little bit more easy to talk to. Oh, that sounds super. And I think that's what we are going to do. It's what we're going to do. We're going to do. So come through. <laughs> so, Babu. Okay. So, so. All right. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> Well, Ms. Melissa, this has been a great conversation. And so thank you so much uh, for coming out today and, or, you know, across the Zoom. Come in. And help us understand, really. You know? <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for having me. It's really fun to talk to someone who wants to hear these things instead of my husband, who's sort of <laughs> very interesting. It really, no, it totally is. <laughs> Love him, though. Um, but yeah. So I really appreciate it. It was lots and lots of fun. All right, cool. We hope to have you back another time, maybe a little bit later on. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks for hanging with us today on Early Education 3.0. Check back in Tuesday at 10, and we'll beam you up for another celestial journey through the preschool frontier. And thanks to our sponsor, Obabu, enrolling your littlest learner now.